Welcome to Cooking Politics. I'm Cass, your host, and I'm at the farm today doing this podcast. Today is Sunday, October 23rd, 2022. It's around 7 a.m. in the morning, so I'm not violating the Hatch Act. I'm at the farm in the uh, farmhouse with my elusive cricket, so you may or may not hear my cricket chirping in during this podcast. Alright, today I wanted to talk about the tax bill. Earlier this year, the Republicans put together a tax bill, they voted it in, they sent it over to the governor to get it signed into law, and he vetoed it. He commented that, if I'm, if memory serves me correctly, it didn't do enough for the farmers. He didn't like that they got a two-year extension on their farm tax credits. He wanted them to have a six-year credit. Also earlier this year, a certain Republican senator, I believe it was Lincoln Huff of Springfield, Missouri, he proposed giving Missourians a $500 tax, uh, what, how do you, how would you word it? A $500 tax relief check if you're single and, and $1,000 if you're married. But that got vetoed out as well because, well, let's just talk about this one. So Parson called the lawmakers back to the Capitol for a special legislative session where the Republican supermajorities put together a bill to reduce the percentage of persons earned income tax that they would owe to the state of Missouri. So on this new tax bill that Governor Parson signed into law, effective January 1st, 2023, the top individual tax rate will fall from 5.3% to 4.9%. Oklahoma is the only neighboring state with less tax than Missouri, as theirs is 4.75%. All of our other neighbors have a higher tax rate than Missouri and Oklahoma. What happens when you cut taxes to get votes? Well, here's how 20 years of Republican leadership affected Missouri. Missouri ranks 50th in in the percent of state education funding. So out of 50 states, we're coming in dead last. We rank 50th in teachers starting pay, 45th in average teacher pay, 36th in per pupil spending, 37th in 15-year job growth, 38th in 15-year GDP growth, 45th in 15-year personal income growth. Out of 50 states, we're 45th, 42nd in health care, and 45th in maternal deaths. 45th in maternal deaths. After the January 1, 2023 tax cut, new reductions will happen every year. So January 2023, it'll be 4.8%, and future cuts would lower the top rate by 0.1% until it bottoms out at 4.5%, which should be in the fiscal year 2028. The Missouri Budget Project evaluated the plan, noting that the wealthy will see a very large reduction in their tax-paying obligations. So let's go over the projections. And here we go. So remember, Governor Parson vetoed a bill earlier this year that would have given checks of $500 to individuals and $1,000 to married couples. He vetoed this bill saying this bill was not the best path for tax relief. 
So here's what Missourians can expect from Governor Parson and the Missouri Republicans who passed this bill because they felt this plan is better for Missourians. If you make less than $22,000 a year, you get a $3 a year tax relief. Somehow, $500 in my checking account would equal more than a $3 tax relief. Okay. 22000 to 40000 if you earn 22000 to 40000 you would get $29 a year in tax relief. If you make 40000 to 66000 a year, you would receive a $131 a year tax relief. If you make 66000 to 110000 you would get $298 a year in tax relief. If you make... 110,000 to 229,000 you would get $759 a year in tax relief. If you make 229,000 to 552,000 a year, you would receive $1,855 a year in tax relief. If you make more than 552,000 a year, you would get $9,578 a year in tax relief. So basically, under um, Governor Parson and the Missouri Republicans' plan, you would only be better off under Governor Parson's tax bill if you make over $110,000 a year. If you make under $110,000 a year, you would have benefited more from Senator Lincoln Huff's plan. Okay, so getting back to this tax plan, I think the number one reason that Missouri Governor Parson vetoed the bill, I think if memory serves me right, his main concern was that he wanted the farmers to have an extension on their tax credit, which in the Republican bill was for two years, and Governor Parson thought it should be six years. So that was the main reason that he vetoed this bill, from memory, from what I get. We have a lot of farmers in Missouri. Even Governor Parson has a farm. So it's only natural that Governor Parson wanted to extend the approved tax credits to farmers from the approved two-year plan to six years. Senate President Pro Tem Dave Schatz called this, quote, a big win for rural Missouri, meat processors, biodiesel, and ethanol blend fuel manufacturers and a number of other unlisted industries and programs will be able to apply for these tax credits, end quote. The Republican lawmakers blocked an attempt to amend this bill to include foreign companies from benefiting from the tax credits. Now, ain't that weird? In 2013, lawmakers approved a measure that allowed foreign entities, foreign countries, to purchase farmland in Missouri. And shortly after this Republican approval, the, chi the Chinese company, oh, I cannot say this name, S-H-U-A-N-G-H-U-I, Shanghai International Holdings, they have since changed their name to W-H Holdings. Okay, so this Chinese company bought shortly after they were allowed to buy our farmland, which they took gross advantage of, the Chinese company bought the U.S.-based Smithfield Foods, a meat processing company. And you might be thinking that, wow, Cass, where are you going with this? I thought we were talking about this tax break. Well, it all ties in, in my opinion. 
the Republicans didn't want to exclude foreign companies from benefiting from these tax credits, these tax breaks. So I was going back and giving you a little history on when these Chinese and or foreign companies were able to buy our farmland and then buy our pork processing plants, pork processing companies. So in June 2021, CNBC reported that Chinese-owned Smithfield Foods was sued for limiting the supply of pork to be processed in order to drive up the price of pork in the grocery store. Smithfield settled that lawsuit and agreed to pay $83 million in fines. Smithfield denied responsibilities, and this was in 2021. China was allowed to buy up a Missouri-operated pork processing center in 2013, and then they began limiting supplies of pork to Missouri families on purpose to drive up the price of pork in the grocery stores that Missouri consumers purchase. In September of 2022, Smithfield was also sued. Well, it wasn't in September when they sued, but this was when it settled. Smithfield was also sued by a group of commercial purchasers, including restaurants, again, price gouging, in order to pay $42 million, again, settling out of court and denying any responsibility. When you settle a case out of court, you're not required to open your books, so other egregious acts from this company remain hidden, and I don't know, is this going to be a yearly thing? Are we just going to sue these meat processing centers because they're price gouging us? When when you sue these companies for price price gouging the American consumer, and then, I don't know, a Republican running for office screams inflation. When it's not inflation, it's price gouging. When you sue them and you win, what is it? A total of $125 million? Is that my math right? You win $125 million, you're not giving that, you're not divvying that up to everybody who has a receipt to where they bought pork. That's not trickling down to the consumer. And it's still going on. It continues to go on. Not only is this price, this price gouging process not going down to the American consumer, grocery store shopper, but it's also not going to the meat producer, the farmer that is feeding and raising this product for the consumer. It's not trickling down to them. So, I don't know. I didn't mean to go off on my my wild goose chase on this. I just wanted to point out that Governor Parson, his whole big idea of giving the average Missourian $131 tax relief when Senator Lincoln Huff offered to give $500 to $1,000 in relief. Now, it's $500 for individuals, $1,000 for married couples. The math doesn't add up. (laughs) The math just does not add up. The only people who benefited better than what Senator Lincoln Huff proposed are the people who make $110,000 and up. Anyway, it infuriates me, and I hope by talking about this on the podcast that somehow you can understand what I'm trying to say. 
Governor Parson used the excuse that the tax bill that the Missouri Republicans proposed just wasn't good enough. It had to be redone. And Governor Parson is spinning this off as that it's some kind of big, better relief bill for the average Missourian, when truly it's not. It, it's worse. It's egregiously worse. Okay, I'm off my soapbox on that one. Senator Minority Leader John Rizzo said, quote, I can confidently say the Democrat caucus has a position that Missourians and Americans should own farmland here in the state of Missouri. Okay, back to what Governor Parson said following the signing of the tax bill into, into law. Quote, there are some who would like to believe tax cuts are a bad thing, but money in your pocket, $3 in your pocket, okay, cut that out, that's not in the quote, that money in your pocket is a bad thing. They think that since we already have your money, then we should spend it. They want to compare it to Kansas. But this plan is nothing like Kansas. However, if you refer to the October 7th News Leader article by Galen, it's reported that Democrats, who called it fiscally irresponsible for the state's future as well as most beneficial for the wealthy, Comparisons were at times drawn to Kansas, under which Republican leaders dramatically cut taxes, and as a result, they cut state funding. One of the chief architects of the Kansas plan was present in the meeting with the governor and the lawmakers this summer, as this plan was being drafted. So I don't, I find it so hypocritical that our governor can come out and say this plan is nothing like Kansas. But they had the Kansas architect of that tax plan in the house, in their house, while they were drafting up this tax cut. While they were drafting up the tax, the tax cut. Parson went on to say, quote, As long as you're being fair to everyone, everybody's drawing a paycheck. If you draw more, you're going to pay more, end quote. How out of touch with reality can you be? Republicans, who control both chambers of the legislature, made slight adjustments to the Parson, to Parson's original proposal, but maintained that the core of his tax cut plan, but maintained the core of his tax plan, calling it well-timed relief for taxpayers as rising prices and, here's that Republican word, inflation take a toll on their pocketbook. So, since, okay, so this post was originally supposed to be about the Missouri income tax cut, and then I was going to go into the amendments that are on the ballot, and then I will go into what's on the ballot this election cycle. But legaldictionary.net says price gouging is a term that refers to the practice of raising the price of goods and services or commodities to an unreasonable or unfair level. Such an increase in price is often the result of sudden increase of demand and shortage of goods, such as in the event of a natural disaster or other crisis, and it is illegal in most jurisdictions. Wikipedia says price gouging occurs when the seller increases the prices of goods and services or commodities to a level much higher then it's considered reasonable or fair. Usually this event occurs after a demand or a supply shock. Supply shock. That's what, yeah. Hello, China, Smithfield. All right, so what do we call inflation? 
Investopedia. <laughs> That's funny. Investopedia. Wikipedia, Investopedia. Investopedia says inflation is the rate at which prices for goods and services rise. Inflation is sometimes classified into three types. Demand pull inflation, cost push inflation, and built-in inflation. The most commonly used inflation indexes are the consumer price index and the wholesale price index. Inflation can be viewed positively or negatively depending on the individual viewpoint and the rate of change. In my opinion, I feel like we are being price gouged. I don't feel like it's inflation. I think a lot of these, there, I think there was a time when we had supply and demand issues. I don't think, I don't think that we have the supply and demand issues that our politicians are telling us we have, which, we, which creates inflation. I think we have a severe case of price gouging. If this podcast today, the one that I'm get, trying to edit and get uploaded, I could go off on several different avenues and explain. I mean, if I wanted to make this just about price gouging and inflation, I would go back and I would find where the fuel, fossil, the fuel and gas companies, I believe they came into a congressional hearing and they said they admitted that they raised the price of fuel because President Biden came out and said he wanted to go green. And to me, that's just disgusting. That I mean, that is, why is it disgusting, Cass? Well, it's just, you're punishing millions of Americans. You are so elite in your prosperity that you are punishing so many Americans because the President of the United States came out and said he wanted to go green and save the country. That, I don't know how, I couldn't sleep at night if that were, if I were that sort of person. But that's just me. Um, <clears throat> the price gouging in the meat, eggs, milk industry continues to go on. The processing centers continue to monitor how many animals are processed, how much product is induced into the system because they learned after the 2012 drought that devastated everybody and drove up the price of meat, eggs, milk, and, pro and produce that they could do this. They learned that they could do this and make more money. So they are doing this. And how did this get caught up into this Missouri income tax? income tax cut. It got caught up into it because Governor Parson used the farming industry as one of the main reasons that he felt like he needed to veto a tax bill in order to create a new tax tier system that he thinks is fair. He thinks that he monitored this tax plan after People who work at gas stations and grocery stores, now when I say work at them, I think what he meant was the clerks that are hired to work at them, not. Because sometimes the owner works there too. So I wanted to clarify that. But he brought this up. He used it under, he, he used it, he said he didn't think it was fair that the farmers only got a two-year extension. But that's what they've been getting all these years. They get a two-year extension on tax um, credits so that the legislature can review it and see if they need to continue that or not. 
it's a bipartisan thing that has always been agreed on. They have always given the, the farmers the tax credit because they know that the environment affects how your food is produced. And so these tax credits are in there for that purpose. But Parsons used that tax credit for farmers as an excuse to revamp the Missouri tax code as closely as closely as he could to the Kansas tax code. And we all watched as the, the tax cuts in Kansas gave temporary relief to the elite, but it affected the taxpayer-funded state expenses that needed to be paid. And Governor Parsons used the farmers as an excuse to do that, to make those drastic cuts to the Missouri plan. And if you look at the chart of the people, I mean, you'd have to make $110,000 to get any kind of real benefit off of this tax plan. If you make 22000 and yes, there are moms and dads who make 22000 a year, you get a $29 savings. That's not even, that's peanuts. That's not even going to buy you a steak because you're getting price gouged on the steaks. So it's just, this is so ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. And I just had to talk about it. I'm sorry if you think I went off on a tangent. I tried to keep things coherent <laughs> as far as transitioning from one issue to the other. And that's all I'm going to say about that because I think I've beaten that to death. Governor Parsons said, Quote, there are some who would like to believe tax cuts are a bad thing, that money in your pocket is a bad thing. They think that since we already have your money, then we should spend it. They want to compare it to Kansas, but this plan is nothing like Kansas. Well, the Republicans have attacked the public school system. In May of 2021, they opened up this voucher system for people who live in a in a city, town, population 30,000 and above, they can use this voucher system and get a tax deduction on, on educating their child in a religious or, or private school at the taxpayer's expense. It's going to affect the rural. So yeah, it, it does affect, it is affecting us. You are taking money out of the general fund that some guy who makes $552,000 a year, he's not going to miss $9,600. I rounded up. He's not going to miss $9,600 a year. He's already making $552,000 a year. If he's that greedy that he or she, if they are that greedy that making $552,000 a year and they think that $9,600 a year is going to hurt them, then we have bigger issues to talk about. Now, I have beat this to death and I'm done. I want to talk about amendments. I want to talk about early voting. I want to talk about what you can do. You, our Missouri voter. Tuesday, October 25th is two days away and you can go into your county clerk's office and you can vote no excuses required however you must have a government issued id because the republicans don't trust you when you say who you are and they don't trust you to bring a utility bill in so you have to have a government issued 
ID if you work for the military or if you work for the Postal Service or if you are an elected official with a government issued photo ID, you can go in and vote. If you have a valid driver's license, meaning that it's not expired, you can take that government issued driver's license in and vote. If you don't have any of the above, you are not going to be refused to vote if you go on down to your local DMV and get a free, taxpayer-funded, government-issued voter ID. You can do that. You can't drive with the voter ID, but you can have it to vote, and it's free because the taxpayers are paying for it. But you can get that ID quickly, run down to your DMV and get that so that you can vote. And you can vote early starting on October 25th, you can go, that's Tuesday, October 25th, you can go to your local county clerk's office. They are usually open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Present your government-issued photo ID and you can vote. Otherwise, you can wait and you can stand in line. November 8th, you can stand in line with everybody else and request your ballot to go vote in person at the polls. See, you have options. That's wonderful. It's always great to have options. Now you're all set. You have your government issued ID, whether it is a federal ID, a postal ID, a Missouri lawmaker ID, or a valid driver's license, or your non-driving Missouri photo ID from the DMV that allows you to vote. Boy, that sounds really weird. It's twisted. It's just twisted. Whatever. You've got all your ID. You're ready to go vote. So let's talk about what happens when you go to the polling place. What are the laws? Missouri election law prohibits wearing political apparel to the polls and or the county clerk's office, including political masks, shirts, hats, buttons, or any other apparel that advocates for a political candidate or issue. Similarly, the law prohibits any electioneering inside of a polling place or within 25 feet of one. The state statute only allows voters and their children, poll workers, other election officials, and pre-approved poll watchers to be inside a polling place. So don't go in there and water around. Just go in and vote and get out. State law also prohibits firearms inside the polling places. Law enforcement officers at the request of election authorities or in line of duty may be inside the polling place. Voters are also prohibited from sharing their ballot with others, which is why voters may not take photos inside their polling place. On election day, we urge voters to focus on their political passion on their ballot instead of their apparel and refrain from taking selfies or other photos in their polling place. And that's what our Missouri Secretary of State Ashcroft said. So I guess those are his two big number issues, but the other things that they refrain from would be bringing your gun into the polling place or showing your ballot to cousin, brother, husband, sister, wife, whatever. No, it's your ballot, you vote, it's done. 
go put it in the machine that holds your ballots, and then get on out of there. This is not a party function. It's an American privilege function. So abide by the laws that we just talked about and go in and vote. Now let's talk about, let's talk about the amendment. Shout out to Eunice. God bless you, sister. You gave me this voter's guide that the... It's a non-part. She gave me this voter's guide, and it's a non-partisan little pamphlet that was put out by the League of Women Voters of Southwest Missouri. And what they do is they they interview. They put out some questions for all of the candidates that are running for office in three different counties. Um, this this specific guide is for Green. Christian and Webster County, the candidates. And then when you get to the back of the little pamphlet, we're talking like page 37, I think, talks about the amendments. It says state ballot measures. That's what it calls it. And that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about Amendment 1. A simple majority is required. Ballot wording. Do you want to amend the Missouri Constitution to allow the General Assembly to override the current constitutional restrictions of state investments by the state treasurer and allow state investments in municipal securities possessing one of the top five highest long-term ratings or the highest short-term ratings? State government entities estimate no cost and increased interest revenue of million per year. Local government entities estimate no costs and increased interest revenue of at least $34,000 per year. So it's not going to cost anything. And at first they say it's going to be $2 million per year and now they're saying 34 I guess, I don't know, interest 34%? I don't know. Clear as mud. Let's read it one more time. Do you want to amend the Missouri Constitution to allow the General Assembly to override the current constitutional restrictions of state investments by the state treasurer and allow state investments in municipal securities possessing one of the top five highest long-term ratings or the highest short-term ratings? Question mark. State governmental entities estimate no costs and increased interest revenue of $2 million per year. Local governmental entities estimate no cost and increased interest revenue of at least $34,000 a year. Now, summary. This is the summary of this bill. This amendment was put on the ballot by a vote of the Missouri Legislature. Currently, the Missouri Constitution gives the General, Assemb gives the General Assembly no statutory investment authority and limits the treasurer's investment options. If approved, it would authorize the General Assembly to determine investment options for the state treasurer to invest state funds as well as allow investment in highly regulated municipal securities. It would have no impact on taxes. Proponents say that this change would give the state treasurer greater flexibility to invest the state's funds. Opponents say this change would give the Missouri legislature too much power over our investment options. Okay, so let's think about this for a minute. They want to change the way that Missouri invests money for return, and apparently the, the state treasurer does 
this investing. But now the legislature wants to say, no, we, we get to say what the state treasurer can invest this money in. Personally, I think it's a bad idea. I mean, let's look back at this year in particular. Our legislature, they could not draw new district lines for the voters to know which district they are in to vote until the very last minute. They just couldn't get their ducks lined up in a row. The other thing, our state legislatures, the majority of our state legislators, they put together a tax bill that our governor vetoed. And then they tucked their tail and they went on up there and then they put together this other tax bill that we talked about earlier. My point being is that the majority legislature seems to have some sort of handicap or a problem when it comes to making decisions how to legislate our state. So I think this is too much power for the legislature. I think leave it as it is. I don't think anybody got hurt the way it has been over these last however many years. So personally, I say no. That's just chaos on cooking politics opinion. I'm saying no. You do you. Because you get to go behind the curtain. Well, it's not a curtain anymore. It's a cardboard petition. And vote the way you want to vote. And you don't have to show anybody. You don't have to make up any excuses as why you voted the way you voted. You vote your way. I'm saying no. Amendment 3. A simple majority is required. Ballot wording. Do you want to amend the Missouri Constitution to remove state prohibitions on purchasing, possessing, consuming, using, delivering, manufacturing, and selling marijuana for personal use for adults over the age of 21, require a registration card for personal cultivation with prescribed limits, allow persons with certain marijuana-related non-violent offenses to petition, to petition for release from incarceration or parole and probation and have records expunged, establish a lottery section process to award licenses and issue equally distributed licenses to each congressional district and impose a 6% tax on the retail price of marijuana to benefit various groups. State government entities estimate initial cost of $3.1 million, initial revenues of at least $7.9 million, annual cost of $5.5 million, and annual revenues of at least $40.8 million. Local governments are estimated to have annual costs of at least 35000 and annual revenues of at least $13.8 million. Summary. The amendment was put on the ballot by citizen-initiated petition. Missouri voters approved the constitutional amendment on medical marijuana in 2018. If approved, it would legalize... It would legalize recreational marijuana by the use of those 21 and older and create and regulate a marijuana industry. The state would establish a lottery process to award licenses and certificates and equally distribute licenses to each congressional district. It would impose a 6% tax on the retail price of marijuana to benefit state programs. In addition, 
it would remove nonviolent marijuana related convictions from public record and allow persons presently incarcerated or on parole for these offenses to petition for release. The state estimates it would receive 40.8 million annually and local governments 13.8 million collectively. Proponents say the public wants a safe and legal market for marijuana. They want to decriminalize recreational marijuana, expunge criminal records for nonviolent offenses, and release offenders from incarceration and parole. Opponents say the granting of license would favor those already in the market, and that would discriminate against minorities and low-income people. They also say negative health results would result from more widespread use, and the drug crime databases are hard to access, delaying prison release and expungement. Okay, well, in the October 10th Springfield Newsletter, an article submitted by Galen, we have established, I can't pronounce his last name, um, headline says, front page headline says, Missouri Governor will not grant mass pardons for marijuana. So, Galen reports that Missouri's governor will not grant a blanket pardon to those convicted on minor marijuana offenses after President Joe Biden pardoned federal convictions and urged governors to do the same at a state level. A spokesperson for Republican Governor Mike Parson said Biden's declaration Thursday, quote, does not implicate state law in any way, end quote, and that Parson would not alter how, how he handled pardons for simple possession of marijuana. In Missouri, those with criminal records can apply for expungement under state law. Governor Parson has used his state constitutional authority to grant pardons to individuals who demonstrate a changed lifestyle, commitment to rehabilitation, contrition, and contribution to their communities rather than a blanket approach to undermine existing law. So all you people, and I'm not bashing you, I'm just going to say, I'm just saying that I've talked to a lot of people about this. A lot of people say, well, you know, that's a lot of revenue coming into Missouri. Yeah, we're going to vote for this. And then others are like, yeah, man, it's about time we get legal marijuana. I mean, we get cigarettes, we get alcohol, blah, blah, blah. What I think people are missing the boat on is that this would be a, this would be a Missouri constitutional law, and it's very, it's extremely difficult to amend constitutional laws unless you've got some kind of bankroll, but um, the things that I don't like about Amendment 3, and this is just cast on cooking politics, this is just my opinion, well, let me disclaim first. I don't smoke marijuana, and I don't eat stuff with marijuana in it, and that's just my own personal choice. I have lung issues. I can't inhale. I have in the past, which is why I can't inhale anymore, but I don't have anything against anybody who does this in the privacy of their own home. I think it should be legal. However, I don't like this bill. I do not like 
that this goes straight into our Missouri Constitution. It's going to be extremely hard to amend anything in it. And I don't like the fact that anyone convicted, say a police officer pulls over somebody 25, 27 years old, and the kid rolls down the window to give him his, his license and insurance card, and the police officer gets a mouthful of marijuana smoke, so he arrests the dude after he finds three ounces of marijuana. I don't know. I don't know how much marijuana people carry. And then the kid ends up, because he can't pay enough attorneys to get him out of the, this predicament, he ends up going to jail. Or she. She could be that, too. Let's just change that. So she's in jail, and she's doing her time. I don't know what t kind of time you do for marijuana. I should look it up. That's what I should do. I should look it up. I'm, because oh my gosh so okay I did I look I did a little internet search and this is um, on the internet marijuana and the law .com. and so it was posted in August 22nd of 2022 a couple of months back I'm waiting for it to load up but it says cultivation of any amount of marijuana is a felony in Missouri Simple possession of up to 10 grams on a first offense is a misdemeanor, punishable by nothing more than a $500 fine. Subsequent offenses are punishable by up to a year in jail and $2,000 in fines. The penalty for possessing between 10 and 35 grams is a year in jail and a $2,000 fine. It is a felony to possess between 35 grams and 30 kilograms of marijuana and the maximum penalty is seven years in prison and ten thousand dollars in fines possession of this quantity is his has historically been considered as an attempt to distribute it is felony to sell distribute or traffic any amount of marijuana in missouri where the amount is less than 35 grams. The maximum penalty is four years in prisons and $10,000 in fines. For amounts between 35 grams and 30 kilograms, a mandatory minimum of three years applies, and the maximum, and the maximum punishment is 10 years and $10,000 in fines. Selling to a minor, likewise a felony, comes with a mandatory minimum three years and a maximum penalty of 15 years plus two times the profit made in fines. There are special penalties for distributing marijuana near school, recreational park, or public housing. In these cases, the prison term is between 10 and 30 years, with the fine again determined by the profit made. Wow. But if you are selling if you're smoking marijuana, you can get anywhere from 3 to 30 years in jail. And Governor Parsons, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just not going to do a blanket thing here. The thing that I don't like about Amendment 3 is that they have to petition. I don't know who they are petitioning to. Are they petitioning to the court? Because I don't see that anywhere in any of the articles that I've read or listened to on TV or news or anything. Does he petition the court to get out of jail for smoking marijuana and having three grams in his back seat? I don't. Does he petition prison 
or a judge or the governor. I don't know who this person is petitioning to try to get out of jail once this if and when this law passes. So I don't like that. I think that's sloppy. I think that's narrow-minded on the, the people who wrote this um, bill, and I think they knew it. So I don't like it. I'm going to vote no on it. I know a lot of people are going to vote yes on it because ka-ching, ka-ching, they don't care about anything else other than Missouri is going to get some sales tax income. All right, so you got that. The other thing about Article 3 in marijuana is that the people who are granted the right to grow and sell this marijuana is rumored to go to just the ones who already have hemp licenses and medical marijuana licenses, which creates an enormous monopoly. I mean, if you're really serious about whomever, wasn't it some kind of citizen that wrote this? It doesn't say. If you were really serious about getting this passed, you wouldn't be saying, he who behind the whatever house gets to pick and choose who gets out of jail. Number one, you wouldn't be saying that. Number two, you wouldn't be saying, only the people that we've already pre-authorized to grow medical marijuana and hemp are allowed to grow this for profit. I'm going to vote no. I'm sure it will get passed. Oh, it says the ballot. It was put on the ballot by a citizen-initiated petition. So one person initiated this petition to get it put on the ballot. And this one person evidently likes the idea that the governor gets to pick and choose who gets out of jail. He, he didn't care because he's he, she, citizen, he, she, citizen, um, apparently they aren't in jail for this, so they don't care. And so he, she, citizen, doesn't care that only a select few get the right to grow and sell this, rather than just anybody getting the right to grow and sell it. No? So I don't like it. I think we can do better. I have been working on this podcast since... Six o'clock this morning. Let's move on to Amendment 4. Simple majority required. Ballot wording. Shall the Missouri Constitution be amended to authorize laws passed before December 31st, 2026? Now that's a hell of a grace period. You got four years grace period if this law goes into effect. All right. Shall the Missouri Constitution be amended to authorize laws passed before December 31st, 2026 that increase minimum funding for a police force established by a state board of police commissioners to ensure such police force has additional resources to serve its communities? State and local government entities estimate no additional costs or savings related to this proposal. Summary. This is here it is. This amendment was placed on the ballot by a legislature. By the legislature. So our elected officials put this on the ballot. That's quite interesting. If passed, it would allow the General Assembly to increase the minimum funding of a police board from 20 to 25 percent. This change has no fiscal impact, but requires a constitutional amendment. Currently, Kansas City is the only police force controlled by a state board of police commissioners rather than locally elected control. In 2021, 
the city council attempted to allocate part of the police budget to separate crime prevention measures in the budget. Proponents say approval would prevent the Kansas City Council from reducing police funding and keep Kansas City safe. Opponents say Kansas City citizens should control how tax revenue is spent and how to fight crime. They also say this amendment would cause budget cuts in other city services. We've already got a governor that, that cut the taxes that we pay in Missouri that go into the general fund to pay for all of these government entities that we need to function as a state. So we've got that already. So now they're saying, now they're saying, let's put to the, this to the vote of the entire state of Missouri. I mean, it only affects Kansas City. They're the only one that goes by this. So why is the entire state of Missouri voting on something? I guarantee you, somebody down in Dora, Missouri, is not going to be running up to Kansas City every day worried about crime. They may go once, twice, three times a year to fly out to go see some relative or, or whatever. But why does every Missourian get to vote on something that only happens in Kansas City? I think this is a sham. I'm voting no. You do you behind your cardboard petition. That's our Missouri rights. That's our American rights as a voter. You do you. You vote the way you want to vote. I'm just saying that's on the ballot, and I don't like it. It smells. Amendment number five. Simple majority required. Again, this does not pass the smell test. I'm just telling you. Um, cooking politics cast opinion. This does not pass the smell test. Here we go. Ballot wording. Shall the Missouri National Guard, currently under the Missouri Department of Public Safety, be its own department known as the Missouri Department of the National Guard, which shall be required to protect the constitutional rights and civil liberties of Missourians. State governmental entities estimate no savings and ongoing costs $132,000 annually. Local governmental entities estimate no costs or savings. Summary. This amendment was placed on the ballot by the legislature. If passed, it would create an executive department for the National Guard reporting directly to the governor. Going to require the National Guard to report directly to the governor rather than the Missouri Department of Public Safety. It is estimated to cost the state $132,000 annually. Proponents say the National Guard will be more responsive if it reports directly to the governor. Opponents say it would give the governor too much power over the Guard and create a chain of command problem. All right, this stinks to high heaven. Everybody that I've talked to about this amendment, the first thing that come out their mouth is some kind of government militia. Is what they're saying. The way things are set up right now, there's no, Missouri Guard still protects Missourians. No. Vote no on Amendment 5. This is, this is bullshit. Number one, the legislature put this on the ballot. And they put it on the ballot 
to sneak it past anybody. The same thing with Amendment 4. The legislature put these Amendment 4 and 5 on the ballot, but you know what the legislature didn't do? They didn't come out and tell you why they put it on the ballot, who decided to put it on the ballot, and what they hope to accomplish by putting it on the ballot. They just put it on the ballot because somebody's going to go into their cardboard petitioned voting booth and they're going to go, Missouri National Guard, yep, got to vote for them. And they're not even going to read it. Our legislature put this on our ballot and they didn't inform the public. Number three, it's just it's just a sneaky backdoor way of taking, it's too much power for the governor. It's just way too much power for the governor. The governor has enough on his hands. There's a reason that it, it was set up like this in the beginning and it needs to just stay. The, nobody was hurt harmed or fouled over the way our Missouri National Guard has been set up for these past 200 years. So why is it all of a sudden, why is it all of a sudden a big issue? Yeah, that's what I would be asking. All right, this next thing that, I, that is on the ballot that I'm going to talk about, ballot wording. Shall there be a convention to revise and amend the Constitution? Summary. The Constitution requires that voters be asked every 20 years whether they want to call a constitutional convention. In 2002, voters rejected the call for the convention by a 2 to 1 margin. If passed, the governor is required to call an election of delegates to serve at a convention charged with the purpose of revising or amending the Missouri Constitution. Any revisions or amendments will then be put to a vote of the people. If passed, there would be no impact on taxes. Delegates would be chosen in each of Missouri's state senate districts by the five political parties and at large by Missouri voters. The convention session will be held with, quote, open doors, end quote, per the Constitution. Proponents say a convention would allow changes made in the last 20 years to be eliminated. They also say citizens would be able to enact new reforms without the approval of the governor or the legislature. Opponents say the present political climate is not right for a convention and would attract ideological extremes across the political spectrum. They also say that special interests would attempt to control the changes through financial support. Okay, so in Greene County, they also have, they have a zoning issue on the ballot. And this is crazy. Just in a summary, I'm going to say, I've watched for probably the last two years as investors have tried and tried and tried to rezone an area to their benefit and the residents in the area have said for a couple years now they've said no 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 we do not want this in our area we live here not you you don't live here we do well now now they have put this 
zoning issue on the ballot. And I am going to end this podcast, and then hopefully I can quickly get all my notes together on this zoning issue, and that will be my next podcast. So until then, I hope this podcast was informative. I hope that you um, were able to make some decisions. If you weren't able to make decisions, I hope that you were at least encouraged to do your own research. These elections anymore, they're crazy. It's just crazy how important they are. You they, you cannot come up with a legitimate excuse as to why you did not vote. You, people have been able to vote absenteeism since September, late September, I think it was September 27th. I have to look at my notes later and, and verify that. And now October 25th, which is this coming up Tuesday, it's two days away, you just get, you just take your government issued ID and go into your county clerk's office and vote. I am going to do that. I inst- I have always stood at the polls and waited in line to vote. But why why even do that if at my leisure on my way home from work, all I have to do is swing into the county clerk's office and vote two weeks before. Um, the official voting day, why wouldn't I do that? Why would I want to stand in line other people and get in my ballot when I can just go do it in private at the county clerk's office? There's no lines. I could take friends. I could take some family members. We could go to a diner afterward and have coffee and pie, and we could talk about it because you can't show your ballot to anybody. That's illegal. But you can go to the diner and have pie and coffee, coffee and pie, and sit down and, and discuss these issues if you choose. If not, you can go to the diner and have coffee and pie and talk about the weather, your grandkids, your children, and your neighbor's dog. Either way, either way, you have so many opportunities to go vote. If, if God forbid, I meet someone after the election and they tell me they didn't vote, I am afraid to tell you what I would say to their face. I would just be furious. There's so much crap going on in our country right now. And I know you hear this every time there's election. Well, this is the election of our lifetime. We have got to elect. We have a political party that invited an authoritarian to come to the United States a guy from Turkey. Do you know what an authoritarian is? I'm not going to look it up for you. You guys got a internet source in your hand. And you can just type in the word, hit enter, and it will tell you what it means. I don't need to baby you like that. So, look it up. What is an authoritarian? What is a fascist? What is a communist? Look it up before you repeat the freaking words to everybody else. Notwithstanding, we have a political party that went to the country of Turkey, which is ruled by an authoritarian, a political party in the United States of America, held a convention in Turkey, an authoritarian country. What the fuck? Why the hell would you even do that? If you are an American... And if you are an American politician, if you are an American wanting to be a politician, why the fuck would you go to an authoritarian country to hold your convention? 
We are the United States of America. United we stand. Divided we have civil war. Divided we fall. So why, this is why this election is so freaking important. Look it up. I'm not going to tell you who did it. Get on your little smartphone or on your computer and key it in there. What political party had their convention in authoritarian country? And then after that convention, they invited that authoritarian president to come to our country to give a talk. What? In the world, this would never, ever, ever happen. Well, hmm, I was going to say in the last 20 years, but I'm really upbeat about this. This is spooky. This election is very spooky. It used to be, as I was raised up, they would work across the aisles to... Somebody would present a bill, and somebody else would say, I don't like it, but if you did X, Y, Z, I could be on board with that. And then that other party would go, well, I can't do X, Y, and Z, but I can do X and Y. And then they were like, well, okay, I can sacrifice Z because this is the good, this is for the good of the people of the United States of America. And they would pass a bill. But now it's like, if you do not follow and do what I say. Um, we will rig anything we can rig. We will fight as hard as we can fight. We will just stop whatever. We will do anything we can to prevent you, person, who do not agree with me. I will prevent you from doing what you're doing because if you don't follow me, you need to get out of America. And that is not what America was built on. That wasn't what the true America was really built on. And I got off on my soapbox. Again, I'm going to go deliver some postcards to be written by some of our postcard writing crew for the, for the uh, campaign. And then I will come back and try to edit this behemoth and get it uploaded because I've been trying to get this podcast put up for the last week. It's just crazy how my schedule is. Alright, so until next time, if you have questions or suggestions or ideas or comments, you can reach out to me. An email that is coming out of the kitchen pod at gmail.com. And so I think you know that if you email me, you're not going to get bombarded with any kind of trash. I'm not going to save your stuff. I just want to hear your ideas and your thoughts. And then you can also go to my Facebook page. I have a Cooking Politics Facebook page and a cooking politics twitter account and i have a coming out of the kitchen facebook page so you can reach out to me at any one of those platforms and give me your suggestions questions ideas thoughts a big shout out to kathy O. kathy O. told me last week she said oh my gosh a pollster contacted me and they asked me if i knew who Betsy Fogel was and she said why well, yes I do and, and the pollster said well how do you know Betsy and she goes because I listened to this podcast cooking politics on coming out of the kitchen and so I want to give a big shout out a big fat heartfelt hug to Kathy O for um, putting us out there giving us some shade that's what I need I need for Anybody who listens to this podcast, 
once it ends, you just go to show, and then you scroll down, you give me five stars, you can leave me a comment there. That would be great. And that helps other people find the podcast. Maybe you think this is a shitty podcast, and I can handle that. Or maybe you think it's an okay podcast. I can handle that. Maybe you like the podcast. I love that. Maybe you love the podcast. You're my best friend. Whatever level of your emotion toward my podcast, share my podcast with others and let them determine whether they like, love, can't stand, hate my podcast. Please and thank you. Have a great day. I know this sounds crazy, but have a great day.